Thank you for listening to this week's message from New Day Community Church in Vandalia. We hope this message encourages and blesses you. Look us up and contact us at newdaycommunity.org. So we do church a little differently. The three churches in, in Michigan, I rotate between them. And so we have different speakers that come and speak each week. And so I'm here about every other week, but that, that it's uh, changed up quite a bit. And part of that is part of the vision of this church, okay? And I'd like to remind you of that, that um, we rotate the speakers because it develops other leaders. It gives people the opportunity to minister, to teach. It forces us to uh, train up people to do that role as well as the worship team and kids' ministry. And so having many churches uh, creates many opportunities for ministry and gets people uh, trained to do the work of ministry. <clears throat> and so it's different than going to a church where it's the same pastor week in and week out. I'm not saying that that's bad. That's actually really good. It has real strengths and benefits uh, that um, can, can help a church. But we feel that God's called us to do church a little differently and to expand his kingdom. And so as this congregation grows, no doubt there will be, will be a time that it, it will have a, a site pastor, so a full-time pastor right on site or, or could be part-time initially. So that's something that's in the future. But we're just we're just getting started. And uh, the, the, the little announcement about, hey, if you can help out, we sure would appreciate it. Uh, that's a little understated <laughs> for being nice, you know, <laughs> being gentle. Uh, we need everyone to help. My, our vision, my vision of, of church is that everyone does, has a role has a responsibility on Sundays. Uh, you know, you may have responsibilities throughout the week too, but Sunday is the primary gathering. It's ecclesia. That's the gathering together of the called ones. And so it is the church assembled, uh, and then throughout the week we have the church uh, spread out, right, <clears throat> dispersed. But on Sunday we come together, and so you know we need you, uh, you need you to be connected in doing something here at the church. And if if you can skip church and nobody notices, that is not healthy for you. It's not healthy for the church. Does that make sense? And so we really need, you know, so many people have been volunteering uh, faithfully now for almost two years. Uh, it's been a year and a half since we had Sunday services. Um, and, and doing kids ministry, doing youth ministry, doing sound and graphics. And everyone in here can be trained how to do all those things. It's not that hard. Um, and so please consider and prepare. Uh, consider where you can be part. Well, this month, or this week, we're starting off a new series, and for the month of September, we're going to be talking about communication. And communication is very, very powerful. The subtitle to it is Our Words Shape Our World. And so I'm going to be speaking uh, this morning, introducing this topic, and then over the next several weeks, uh, different people will be coming in, sharing a, a um, Aaron Mueller will be here next week speaking on the power of story. And several other of our teaching team will be down here talking about the power of communication, the importance of communication in our lives. And really, it is really true, I believe this wholeheartedly, that our words shape our world. And I'm going to give you a biblical basis for that and kind of illustrate it a little bit this morning. The idea that our words have the power to shape our world. We're going to start out not in a typical place that most people would start if you're 
preaching on the tongue. Um, uh, today's message is the power of the tongue. And the biggest problem in preaching a sermon like this is narrowing it down. Because you have no idea how many verses in the Bible have to deal with our talk, our speech, our communication, our conversation. There's so many. There's probably hundreds, thousands of verses. And to narrow it down to a, a, a few to get the point across. And uh, so I'm going to start at the beginning. <laughs> right? We know the creation story. God said, let there be light. And there was light. And all through the Genesis account of creation, God spoke. Right? And then it happened as a result of God's word being spoken. Let there be light. Bam! There was light. You know, let the... the, the uh, each each stage of the creation, he'd speak it into existence, and it would come forth out of nothing. The declaration would bring uh, the creation, <clears throat> and so this is the first thing that we see God doing in Scripture. Now, this is important. Right? The Bible was put together uh, carefully. <laughs> God was in charge of how the Bible was put together, and I can talk about the story of how it was put together and everything, but why did God put that story first? He could have started somewhere else. We could have had a whole book on the, on the character of God or the nature of God or, you know, who God uh, was before the creation, but he doesn't. He actually starts out intentionally with the creation story. That, that, that's the beginning of God. That was just the beginning of earth, but he chose to reveal this aspect, I believe, he chose to reveal this attribute about himself uh, to communicate a very, very important message. And, it's, and it ties in directly with the power of communication. Um, <clears throat> he shows us, the Word shows us, God creating everything out of nothing, simply using his spoken Word. And then he created us in his image, right? So God created man, or human, in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And so we see God's image revealed in the creation story that he had creative power through spoken word. And then, then we're introduced as being created in his image. All right? Wow. That is powerful. Alright? That we are created with the same image or, or, or uh, 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 reflection of God. We're going to jump to another place in Scripture that communicates, I believe, the same idea. And this is found in the New Testament. And it's the beginning of the Gospel of John. John was the, the, the Gospel, uh, the, uh, the, the, Disciple of love, right? He was, he was considered probably the one with the closest relationship with Jesus. And when he wrote his gospel or the story of Jesus' life, there's four different accounts of Jesus' life in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are very similar. In fact, a large portion of each of those three books is like a quote from the other book. Scholars argue which one was written first. <laughs> all right? Because there are literal sections that are quoted because they were all probably working from the one that was written first. Either Mark or Matthew. But 
Not everybody has their opinion. Um, doesn't really matter. But John is, is significantly different. And it was written probably later than the other ones, and he brings a different perspective to it. And I love how he begins the gospel. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. Listen, that is no accident that John is practically quoting or paraphrasing the creation story. John was taking the creation story and telling us, or God was using John, to communicate or to interpret the creation story, Genesis 1-1, through the lens of Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? Right? And so we see uh, a New Testament uh, 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 after the resurrection. You know, Jesus died on the cross. John filled with the Holy Spirit, looking back and saying, He's tying in the creation story with Jesus being the central figure. All right? Now, Jesus is described as the Word. Right? And it says that nothing, all things were made through Him, the Word, and without Him nothing was made that was made. And so through Jesus, in other places, by the Word of His power, all things are held together. That's another place in the New Testament. Through Jesus, all things were created. So again, this idea that the Word has creative power, both in the Genesis story, but also now in the in the in, in the new creation in in the Christ story. John introduces Christ by uh, showing that Jesus is the Word through which all things are created. And just like it was the first aspect of God that was revealed in Genesis, it's the first aspect of the character of Christ. Revealed in the New Testament, in John's account, is that he's the Word. And that that Word has creative power. And just like in the Genesis account, we were then created in God's image. Guess what? We are called to be Christ-like. Right? That's what it means to be a Christian. To live like Christ. And so, <clears throat> what I want you really to uh, to get out of this this conversation that we're having today is a little different than what you probably have heard people teach on speaking or the power of the tongue in the past, if you have at all. Because often preachers really harp on how bad it is to, to use language bad, poorly, right? And, and like you can't swear and you can't cuss and you can't, you know, all these bad things and what not to do. But I actually want to emphasize the opposite of that, okay? And tell you that you have in your mouth the power to shape your world, okay? Just like God used His words to shape creation. Look out the windows. I like this building because we have windows. All churches don't have windows. They're just boxes. Uh, But we can see. God just said, look at the trees and, and then there's leaves and and they change color and they get like winter bones and everybody has to hold out. They come back to life again. Right? God created that by speaking it. And then He's delegated that creative authority to us by making us in His image. Right? 
And the tool of that creativity is eh, to get wrong. It's your tongue. You have a miracle maker in your mouth. And I just want you to get a real good picture. I want you to be able to envision what we're talking about here. Because how many can see their own tongue without a mirror? I had a friend that could touch his nose with his tongue. Anybody here? Can you do it? Wow. And he could reach up there and touch the top of it. <coughs> the dude's tongue was scary, I'm telling you. <coughs> I'd never seen it. The average tongue, average tongue is four inches long. You can only see two-thirds of your tongue, but another third of your tongue is down your throat because it goes all the way down. It attaches to bones. There's 28 muscles <coughs> in your tongue. And this is what a tongue under a magnifying glass looks like. <coughs> to be creative with our speech and shape our world. Well, the Bible says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life is in the power of the tongue. Now, it's not talking about this hunk of flesh. It's not talking about the hunk of flesh. It's not talking about the 28 muscles. Right? It's talking about what you do with those 28 muscles. Over this so death and life. So the power to bring death and the power to bring life is in the tongue. And that also implies that everything else in between. Right? If death and life is in the power of the tongue, certainly the power to change your circumstances, to shape your world, to change your attitude, to change your attitude. How many people have been in a room and someone walks in and they say something and it changes the atmosphere in the room? They come in and they say something mean. The boss comes in and says, Who is responsible for this? And everybody tenses up. Well, and somebody else walks in the room and they smile and they go, Guys, you're not going to believe what just happened. You know, and everybody goes, What? Right? See, those are examples of the tongue changing the atmosphere. And listen, you get more of whatever you say. Say that out loud. Say, I get more of whatever I say. It's absolutely true. You learn this truth and you can change your world. You can change your life. You can change your mind. You can change your spirit. You can change your, your feelings. You can change the feelings of those around you. If you complain, I guarantee you, you will never run out of things to complain about. Because when you complain, your tongue has creative power to produce more things to complain about. If you worry, you will never run out of things to worry about. If you're talking, oh, I'm just worried about, my, I don't know, my car is going to make it home today. I'm just, I don't know, constant talking, talking, worry. Worry about this, worry about that. I'm never going to have enough money. I can't make a good job. I can't find a good job. I can't, I can't, I can't. I can't do this. I can't do that. It's never happened. Everybody's against me. You are actually empowering those things 
because God delegated creative power to your tongue when He made it and said, boom, that has power to change things. If you speak criticism, you'll never run out of things to criticize. Right? If you speak critically to your spouse, you will continue to find more things to be critical about. If you speak critically about yourself, look in the mirror and go, it's ugly, ugly, so fat, Creatively, sometimes it takes a lot of work. (laughs) The creative, but you do. You speak truth. I am healed by the power of God. I believe I have vigorous health because God's word has promised me that. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Instead of I can't, I can't, I don't think I can get it through the day. I'm not gonna guess. Alright? Um, so if you speak thankfulness, you will never run out of things to be thankful for. How many would rather have that than things to complain about? All right, listen, it's in the power of your tongue. I'm telling you, it's in the power of your tongue. Honor. If you speak honor, it's one of the most powerful things that you can do. You honor people. I just honor the way that, you know, I just love how you are. You pay such good attention, and your smile, your smile is so bright, and your eyes light up. And just, I mean, just, just having you in the room, man, makes makes me happy. All right, that that creates something, yeah. And and see, we, we see this really. Uh, most people are aware of it when it deals with children. Like if you have a kid and you say talk like that to them all the time, you know that kid's going to be happy and fulfilled. And, and confident, but if you're always picking on the kid, you know, you're such a boo. You're such a fool. I am so disappointed in you. How many times do I have to tell you? And you just see how that can crush a person's spirit. And that has the same effect regardless of the person's age. Right? So when people grow up and get older, we learn how to, how to keep on a, a good front. So people can talk to me, and we kind of still keep our guard up. But that's not healthy. Right? You can change that relationship by speaking honor, speaking life, speaking blessing. And we need to choose to use our tongue to create the things that are good. Now, James really uh, boils it down and, and has a very strong word concerning our speech. In James chapter 3, 2 through 10, we read through it and just talk about it a little bit. It says, Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and can control and, and, uh, and could also control ourselves in every other way. Wow. So God is telling us, listen, this is the most important, the most critical part of our being that needs to come under his control. We need to get it under control. So, and he goes on. He says, we can make a large horse go whichever way we want by means of a small bit in his mouth. He's given us some illustrations so we understand how it works. Uh, today, you know, we can steer a 2,000, 4,000 pound, um, you know, two-ton truck <laughs> by simply moving a bit of steering wheel. Alright? Well, that's like the tongue. <clears throat> a small rudder can make a huge ship Turn wherever the pilot chooses to, chooses to go, 
even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. The tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole... Here he goes on and, and kind of describes how it actually works in most people's lives is that it's a world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire. I would like to say that you know, James is speaking about it in the negative and in, in, in being used in a destructive way. But if you choose, it can set your life on fire for God. Right? And it goes on and says, For it is set on fire by hell itself. In other words, the motivation of bad speech comes from the enemy. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. This ties it right back to the Genesis story. That were made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, brothers and sisters, this is not right. Or this ought not to be. And so James is challenging us. He's not saying it's impossible to, to have our tongues under control. But he's challenging us. Listen, this is an absolute necessity because it has such power. With God, all things are possible. In Christ, you can bring that tongue into control. I'm going to give you two keys on how to do that in just a second. In Christ, we can choose to speak blessing and not cursing. And this is why, see, the James' description is, unfortunately, it's typical. And I see it sometimes in my own life. I'll catch myself saying really negative things. Oh, wow. To be that. You need to take it seriously. I repent of that. You just think, God, what's the root of that? Where is that coming from? Because I want to speak of life. And then I challenge you to experiment with this. Finding someone that's not happy and saying nice things to them. You know, the person in the store is just having a bad day. Those are really pretty things. There's something. It's powerful to see the effect. Simple words can have on a person's life. And then it changes you as well. Paul talks about it uh, in Ephesians. He says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. This is the goal. This is the standard. Nothing corrupting. Nothing that causes decay. Nothing that, you know, is, is disrespectful or dishonoring. None of that should ever come out of our mouth. But instead, gives us the definition of what should be coming out of our mouth. What is good, not bad, but good, beneficial, uh, for necessary edification. Edification is building up, strengthening, encouraging, and equipping. Right? But only for what is necessary. Because sometimes you see a whole bunch of stuff in people's life that they need to get fixed. And it may not be necessary to communicate that. Because what it can be, even though it's it's meant for good, it can be taken as a criticism. Does that make sense? Yeah. In kind. Yeah, it's done in a way that is kind. And that's that's exactly what uh, 
he continues on, that it may impart grace. And so if we say it, it's necessary. This is something that needs to be said. It encourages, it builds up, and it's good. And God's Word says that it has the power to impart grace. Grace is the power of transformation. All right? Grace is not just, you know, it does include um, uh, 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 forgiveness of sins. It does include uh, um, the uh, unmerited uh, favor of God. But it also includes the power to live differently. And so Paul is saying in this that we can impart grace. We can put grace in the people simply by speaking what is necessary for, uh, for, for edification, speaking uh, properly. And the message says, Watch the way you talk. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Say only what helps. Each word a gift. And when I read that, I just love that. <clears throat> that we recognize that every word that we give is like a gift. With your spouse, with your kids, with your neighbors, with your co-workers, keep that word a gift because it can make a difference in their lives. Okay, two keys uh, that we can learn to control our tongues to be creative and not destructive. Number one, Jesus tells us in Luke chapter 6, He says, A good man or a good person out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. Listen, for out of the abundance of your heart, his mouth speaks. You want to know what's in your heart? Listen to your words. It's the only way. You want to know if there's good or bad in there? Ask someone close to you to tell you what your communication is like. Is it edifying? Is it building up? Or is it tearing down? Is it honoring? Or is it critical? Right? Because that reveals, Jesus said, that reveals what's in the heart. And so if you want to change what your tongue does, this is how. You deal with the heart issues. Fill your heart with good. And that tongue is going to speak good. Because it's just a hunk of flesh. Right? It's controlled by the heart. It produces. It is just a tool that the heart uses to, to interact with the world. Right? So we can see what's in our heart by listening to our words. But we can change what comes out of our mouth by filling our heart with good. God's Word is good. Meditating on God's Word. Getting good teaching. I think what, what uh, Dale, this class coming up on Tuesday night, please, please, please do whatever you can to come. Because it, this, the teaching and the book that he's using is literally just, just part of a revolution of, of freedom that's, that's happening really all over the world. And it will change your heart condition so that you have good to come out of your mouth. And the second thing is found in Second Corinthians. The second key is, since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believe and therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak. Paul, I'm not going to, I don't have time to just describe the context of what he's talking about, but Paul was talking about just the suffering 
that he had experienced as a Christian preaching the gospel. And then that psalm that he quotes, the Old Testament quote there, I believed and therefore I spoke, was actually a psalm, a prophecy about the suffering of Jesus, the Messiah, dying on the cross, but believing that God was going to raise him from the dead. And so Paul says it's that spirit of faith that causes us and enables us to persevere and continue. I believed and therefore I spoke. All right? And it goes on and we skip a few verses and it says, While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Right? And tie this in and we will be done. We must believe. We must believe. We must really believe. We must have faith. Right? Uh, uh, another place it says, God calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Right? That is part of the character of God. We are made in the image of God. Right? That is part of the nature of Jesus Christ, and we are called to live Christ-like. So we are called to speak things into existence, like love, and honor, and forgiveness, and mercy, and truth. Okay? And yeah, maybe someday we can pray for somebody that doesn't have an arm and say, in Jesus' name, arm grow. Yay! We need to start with, I'm going to get rid of this negative spirit in my house by speaking positive, by speaking life, by speaking love, by speaking truth. Does that make sense? And we have the power to do that. And as we train our tongue, as we gain the muscle memory to control our tongue, to speak good, we will see that creative power revealed. Even though we don't see it, we speak it. And that power of the tongue has has the power to shape or to change, to recreate our world. Alright? So, let's close in prayer. Uh, Yeah. And so, everybody, to take their tongue and hold it up to the Lord. Yeah, absolutely. You need to offer it. You need to offer our bodies as living sacrifices. Dale, I just, I just had an experience that really reinforces what we're talking about. I discovered Friday evening and yesterday morning that somebody online got a hold of my personal information and was trying to steal my identity. They opened. They applied to open two new credit cards and put a change of address in at the post office for me so the cards would be mailed to me. Fortunately, when I talked to the credit card company, they said, did you put in in a change of address? There's a charge here to the postal service for a dollar and a nickel. And I said, no, I didn't. 
So I ended up at the post office. But all afternoon, God was, was just really saying, this is a demonic thing because this is who the devil is. He's an identity thief. That's what he wants to do. He wants to steal the identity that God has given you. And this is part of it. The identity that we have as followers of Jesus is we have the power to speak life. And the devil wants to steal that. That's who he is. He's an identity thief. And whoever this was wasn't successful. And the devil isn't going to be either. <laughs> That's right. The devil, you know, is set on fire by hell. Is what James said, that the devil uses the tongue to advance his agenda. And if we're, we're unwitting, you know, we don't realize it's actually the enemy robbing us of our identity. Because our identity is to be God, like God. In the image of God, like Christ. And speaking life. I love this, yeah. Keypad. <laughs> I don't even use a pen anymore. It's so hard. Uh, but right, when you write something, stop. I, one uh, article I, I read said, before you hit send, ask yourself, why are you doing it? Why are you? Yep. And uh, whether it's a post on Facebook or an email or a text. Okay. Oh, wait a minute. What's the moment? Am I just bragging? Is this a subtle way of boasting? Am I just saying this to just to undermine, you know, is this just, like, I think it's funny, but it's really an insult. And that pause, I've learned to do that. I take a pause, and I ended up not hitting send probably 25 to 40% of the time. Because, you know what, that doesn't need to be said. You know, and that doesn't misunderstand, but absolutely right. All forms of communication. All forms of communication, and it includes verbal as well as nonverbal. I think some of the other people are going to teach on that. Yeah, so Father, <clears throat> let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we do come to you in Jesus' name, and we offer up our time as a living sacrifice. We offer up our, our hearts and our minds in every way that we communicate. And Lord, we pray that you would use our communication as a creative power bring about life and honor and grace. We can impart grace. And Lord, we just submit this to you, Father, for those who do struggle in this area. Father, and we all do to some degree. I pray an impartation of freedom, that, that your blood covers all sin. We've been cleansed of the sin. There's no shame here. But you want to teach us, you want to train us in how to skillfully use this powerful tool that you put right in our mouths, Father, so that we can really be uh, making miracles, miracles of grace, miracles of truth. In Jesus' name, amen.
Well, we have some folks that are available to pray for you up here, and 